What's up, fam? Today we got a big, epic, awesome episode. It's, <laughs> I guess it's kind of confusing. You know, if you clicked on it, I'm sure you guys were a little confused. The title is, what is the, quote, guard your heart? Or is it, quote, guard her heart? I think if you guys follow Church Chad and you guys are kind of on Instagram or TikTok, you've seen like this phrase, like, I'm really just trying to guard her heart, bro. I'm really trying to guard her heart, bro. Really trying to, you know, just guard her heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm guarding her heart. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> where did that even come from? And two, is it, which one is it? Because if you think about it, it's kind of easy to confuse the two. So today is really an episode about what does it mean to guard your heart or is it guard her heart? Especially as a man, these are men, mini-sodes. So I'm excited to jump in. It's actually a really challenging episode. There's three parts to it but we're going to keep this thing going. What I'm loving in my life is, uh, honestly, I've loved the the book, Words with God. It's a great book on prayer. Addison Bevere was on here a couple weeks ago. I think sometimes you get books and you're, you're not really sure, you know, you want to promote it because it's a friend or it's a person that you like, but you're not sure about the book. And Words with God has actually been a super awesome delight. I think, you know, we just have such a human interpreted version of prayer, you know, where it's conversation like you and me are talking and prayer sometimes couldn't be further from that. And we just have this idea and expectation that God speaks back to us loudly and audibly. And that's just not the case. So it's a great book. Other things in my life I'm loving. I got a swing coach. It's, I found a guy on Instagram. I basically was like, I love the way his students swing. And I found out that he does lessons online through a, an app called Coach Now. And basically, I don't know if you guys knew this, but golf lessons, <laughs> they are expensive, okay? And, you know, you pay anywhere from 70 to $200 for a one-hour lesson. And this guy, I can do $150 a month for unlimited video reviews. So if I'm going to the range, if I'm practicing, he gets on there and analyzes my swing anytime I upload for him. It's really, really awesome, and I've seen some major changes. I don't know if you guys golf, but I've basically been in a swing crisis <laughs> like for probably about three or four years, and it just nothing has changed, and it's been a really good analogy for my spiritual life, as in you hit frustrations and challenges and problems, and yet you keep going out and golfing without making any major changes or deconstructing your swing expecting a different result. It's just insanity at its finest. And when I go to the range, if I'm practicing the same bad habits, if I'm not deconstructing my swing and reconstructing it with fundamentals, I'm going to keep performing and making the same mistakes. Similarly, in our life, if we don't deconstruct, you know, I, I love the word deconstruction in the sense of we absolutely need to deconstruct, like we've kind of talked about taking our thoughts captive to Christ. That in its sense and in the context of what Paul meant means you need to deconstruct. He is going to deconstruct the thoughts and the lies of our theology that is wrong on God. And we're going to take those thoughts captive to Christ and reconstruct them in God's theology, God's word, God's righteousness. That's what it means to reconstruct. And so golfing has been really, really awesome. And then the last thing I would just say is I actually look. People say this all the time. I genuinely mean it. You can ask Kate. 
I know for my whole life I have been running around with undiagnosed ADHD to a degree. Maybe it's just like a societal form of just major, major, major distraction that's just been absolutely (laughs) encouraged with TikTok and short form videos and texting scripts. But I definitely have a case of distraction and what I would definitely say ADHD. So I tried these supplements. One's called Lion's Mane, like, like Judah the Lion, you know, Lion's Mane and Genius Mindfulness. Um, I take that with coffee in the morning and I'm not going to lie, it, it's not an amphetamine, uh, like what is it, Adderall and all these other supplements, but it, it's been helping me focus throughout the day. Like I have absolutely noticed a difference. I think these are called nootropics, N-O-O-tropic, neurotropic, nootropic. I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, and I know I'm outing myself as kind of an idiot right now, but I just, I'm not going to pretend like I know. I just know that I've taken these because I read a couple blogs and they are kind of helping. So let's jump into the episode today. We're going to keep this one on time because I actually have a hard stop. So you guys are lucky today because I'm actually going to keep this one. I'd say my goal is to keep this one about 35 minutes so you guys can go ahead and relieve yourselves that I am not going to take an hour of your time like I have before. So if you guys have been in youth circles and you guys have been on church chat accounts, you guys have been in Baptist (laughs) churches, charismatic, like it's kind of funny that this saying of guard your heart slash guard her heart has like fallen across the board into all these circles of dating and singleness. And, you know, my first question is, is it guard her heart? Or is it guard your heart? And I think, honestly, if I had to answer that question, I would say, well, it's actually both. (laughs) Both are really important. And, you know, what does it look like to guard your heart, which is is actually based off Proverbs 4.23. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does it mean to guard your heart? Why is that important? I think we've all heard this phrase, uh, but maybe we haven't heard it quite unpacked before. And then we're going to say, what does it mean to guard your heart specifically with your dating and single life, especially with what I would say is your crush life. And when I talk about your crush life, that means like you're basically single and dating. It's kind of impossible and very natural for you to walk around and develop feelings and romantic attraction for people in your community or on dating apps or on Instagram. Like it's very, very normal to develop feelings for other people, especially if you're single. This is your crush life and and dating. And I absolutely do think that, yes, you need to be very, very aware here to guard your heart. It's super, super criminally underrated to not tackle this. And then lastly, for the fellas, I would say it is important to what? Guard her heart during dating. And I think we just see this champion everywhere, guard her heart. It's like hyper-intentional, Christian needs at this point. So you guys know what I love to do. I love to take Christian euphemisms, Christian needs and sayings and hey, let's actually just unpack this and actually see what it means. Where did it come from? Where's the theology that underlies this? Is it correct? Or is this an age old saying that sounds right, but is not really right? For example, you know, taking your thoughts captive to Christ is actually Paul going into the church of Corinth or sorry, he's going into the streets of Corinth and saying, hey, with the supernatural power of God, I'm going to debate these guys, these pagans, and I am going to overcome their thoughts, and I'm going to take their thoughts captive to the one true God, Christ, 
and we're going to submit our thoughts and feelings and emotions and false theology to Christ. That means taking it the thoughts captive to Christ. And in that scripture and contextually what that actually means, it means you and me are the pagans in Corinth and we need to submit our thoughts to Paul's teaching, to the teachings of the New Testament, to the teaching of, of God saying, hey, my, my thoughts and my theology and my belief system is not perfect. I need to submit them and take them captive to Christ. That's what it actually means. But again, it's just a kind of tossed around euphemism in the Christian circles that we've never really unpacked. So that's why we're here today. And now, so Proverbs 4.23, let's jump in. In your life, above all else, you need to guard your heart because everything in your life comes from your heart. It's an outpouring of your heart. That was actually scripture, believe it or not. Proverbs 4.23, and not the J.J. Passion translation, says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That is a that is a wonderful, wonderful verse. And contextually, Solomon is speaking this as a proverb for all humans. It's not built for just singles. This is for all humans, men, women, boys, and girls. And I think specifically as a Christian, what I would say is this is actually the training ground for all of us, regardless of where you are in your relationship status, regardless of how old you are, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, whether it's six months or 16 years. We really, 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 really have to take this verse extremely seriously, extremely, because I would say this, we'd love to toss this one to singles and your singleness and say this is important. I would actually say it's even more important for those who have grown more in life, the more that you are a leader and an influencer in your community, the more that you have people looking up to you, the more that you have people asking you for advice and counsel and wisdom, the more you are in a role of leadership and people depending on you, I would actually say this verse grows in importance. That's why I would love to say, hey, this is not just for the singles to guard your heart and guard her heart, bro. This is for the leaders of the house. This is for the leaders of the church. This is for the leaders of the community groups. You all, and myself included, need to guard our heart because it is the wellspring of life. If you are in any kind of shepherding role in any kind of circle of life, well, I would just say just because you might be more spiritually mature doesn't mean you have a hall pass to kind of cut corners and withstand more junk around your life. Because here's, here is the crucial issue. Here's the crux of the issue. Our friend JP frequently says this. He says, your heart doesn't want what it wants. You hear this. Hey, the heart wants what it wants. Like, you know, especially when we get into the conversation of LGBTQ and even pedophilia, like there are more and more cases and teachings, especially from the new age belief I, I think in the much more progressive circles and the cases of pedophilia, there's a justification of what people want, no matter how sick or twisted saying, hey, the heart, it wants what it wants. And who are you to deny that? You know, it's attracted to the, the same sex. It wants what it wants. It's attracted to younger men and younger women. It, it wants what it wants. No, the heart wants what you feed it. 
The heart wants what you feed it. And that's exactly what Proverbs 4 is saying. He's saying, guard your heart, like have massive walls, filters, scrutiny, discrepancy, discernment for what you feed your heart. Why? Because it's a boomerang effect. Because it's a boomerang effect. It's a wellspring. Do you know what a wellspring is? A wellspring is an abundant source. It's it's like a fire hydrant. It's an outpouring. So he's saying whatever is absorbed here in your heart, whether you like it or not, no matter how mature you are, it's going to spring forth. Absolutely. And we talked about this last week, you know, guys like Ravi Zacharias, Carl Lentz, nobody ends up where they are. You don't just end up in adultery. You don't end up just slipping that one night where you've had sticky eyes and she's there. That is that is absolutely a slow fade over time because your heart starts craving more and more of whatever you have been feeding it. It is insatiable. And that's why above all else, whatever you're feeding your heart is not only what you're going to produce as a wellspring, but your heart is going to crave moving forward. So it's not just about immediately what comes out the next day. It's saying, hey, you are training your heart to desire this, and it's going to desire more and more of this. And it's going to produce a wellspring. This is a rule of life. This is a foundation of life, whatever you are feeding it. And so this is where whether you're a young believer or you're an older believer, a mature believer, any kind of circle of influence or leading, this is why we have to trust that this verse is true, it's real, and we're not above it. And when that's true for me, even talking to you guys, I am refreshed and woken up. It's like a bucket of ice water saying, JJ, you need to have more tenacity in every area of your life. Music, the videos you watch on TikTok and Instagram, the videos and the movies that you choose to watch on Netflix and Prime Video. I mean, I think one of the most dangerous attitudes for me as a Christian and what I would say for any Christian is, hey, I may be a little bit more mature than the other Christians I know. I've been a Christian for a while. I'm I'm even a shepherd. Like, look at my qualification. I'm a leader. I'm a shepherd. I have people who look to me and ask me for advice and counsel. I can handle it. I, I, I can dab in this. I can I can watch an R-rated. I'm mature. I can watch an R-rated movie and even not even have to skip the nudity. And I know my heart. And I've, I've been victorious for years now when the battle of pornography and lusting and I've been on really great behavior. It's not going to affect me. I can I don't even have to skip it. You know, I can watch. I can be on TikTok and dwell and see, you know, a couple of videos of soft pornography and young girls dancing and showing off their body and, and it, and it not affects me. I'm, I'm mature. You know, I'm mature. I can, I can listen to overwhelming amounts of filthy language and cursing. And, you know, I, I have a good grip on my tongue. I, I can control my tongue. I'm not gonna see that is the greatest lie and trap you and me could ever believe. I mean, I think if I'm the enemy, that is like, one of the best traps, that is one of the best things I could ever convince a Christian is that, hey, you're, you're a little bit of, you graduated. You can, you can handle that in the sense of it's arrogant. It's pride. It's full of pride. It's full of elevation of myself and my strength. It totally, totally, totally underestimates my brokenness and ability to sin, even when I'm not 
consciously sinning. I think it also places me in the very temptation and the situation of tempting that I want to avoid. Listen, if I can if I can put myself in situations where I'm not tempted to sin, I would love to do that. I mean, I think in dating, like a really good example is after 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and it's getting late, and you guys are attracted to each other, and you like each other, and the feelings are there, like, I think there's a way to address that before you even get in that situation of temptation, and there's a way to experience victory, but I'm like, what, you know, like, why put yourself in that situation if you know it's going to be hard to say no? So I think as much as Christians want to say, you know, we, God has given us a way to escape temptation to come out so we can stand up under it. Yes, that is what Paul teaches in Corinthians. I'm like, as much as I can control, I also don't want to put myself in situations where I am tempted to sin. And that is what I would call wisdom and how I operate in life. Like, I'm not going to go minister in a strip club. I'm not. I just, I don't think that's wise. There's a reason why, you know, that is not a popular thing. If I want to reach the broken and I want to go find men who need to hear about the goodness and of, of Christ Jesus and the hope and redemption available, the strip club is a great place. But it's also not very wise for me as a man who's struggled with pornography and masturbation for years upon years to go into a situation like that even though it's a wonderful place to meet broken people and share the good news. Like, I'm not going to put myself in that situation, and that is what I would call wisdom. So I think, you know, one thing here that we are quick to do is take inventory of our life, the music, the videos, the content, the words, the people we surround ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to do a total makeover and of what not to do. And I think one thing that I've been hearing a lot, which I think is incredibly wise, is that you can't just eliminate bad habits. You can't just eliminate areas of consumption that are really not great for you. You can only replace them. You can only replace them. And I think that's that's Philippians 4.8 and its finest. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're not just putting a huge major list of what not to do. We are filling our mind with greater things. We are dedicating our mind or our time or consumption to better things, which also aligns with the the very same verse, Proverbs 4.23. Finally, you know, guard your heart because it is a wellspring. Whatever you feed it is going to burst forth. Well, guess what? <laughs> if I'm feel, if I'm filling my mind with whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, guess what's going to come out of my mind? Guess what's going to overflow from my heart? This is a big deal. That's why I think something like worship music on the background all day doesn't make you more spiritual. It doesn't. But you know what it does do? It certainly does fill your mind all day with wonderful praise and worship and it helps you and it guides you. It's like bumpers on the, on the bowling lane of your mind kind of bouncing to and from and forth, setting our minds on an awesome God. And we get glimpses and snapshots and snippets and bursts of encouragement and praise all day long. I love it. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. So as you take that inventory of guarding your heart, you have to ask yourself, where else does this happen? Well, I think uh, community. 
I'm surround I'm transitioning from surrounding myself from a a lifestyle and circle of friends who are godly people. That's what I I want to be around life-giving godly people who love God, who can't stop talking about God, who share what God is doing in their life, who share what God is teaching them in their life because guess what? I'm guarding my heart and I desire to feed my heart wonderful things including the people I'm around. Content Content that fills and inspires me in God, I think there's just no better time than today for actually amazing Christian movies and content. I mean, I watch The Chosen and I'm like undone. Like you talk about the difference between, I love anime. I do. I hate that I love anime so much because it's so cool, so entertaining. But listen, The Chosen or anime, I know what I know which one's going to amplify my walk with God and it's going to set my heart ablaze for him. Okay, that was really good. That was number one. Okay, guarding your heart and your life and why it's so important. Number two is guarding your heart and your crush life. I think one of the things I don't hear a lot and that is so natural for all of us as singles is this. We have a wonderfully active crush life. I don't know about you, but when I was single, like I had silent crushes and friendationships everywhere I went and and it killed me because underneath the crush is a silent life of jealousy, comparison, coveting, insecurity, peacelessness that ravages us quietly underneath the surface. For real, like these crushes, the hidden crush in my heart, these friendationships back and forth, left and right, everywhere in my mind, while it seems playful and fun, they can quietly be just destroying joy. They are just absolutely enabling comparison and insecurity. And they are totally, totally, totally distracting me from the purpose of my life and my relationship with God. That is a massive deal. I mean, listen, we can we can so quickly and quietly become so consumed with our crushes. Think about it. We analyze and process our thoughts, our feelings, our actions as if they were God themselves. Will they like this? Will they notice this? Will they find this attractive? Will they see me? Will they like it? Will they accept me? Will they, if I do this and say this smart, wise thing and prove that I love God, will they ask me out on a date? I mean, imagine if I live my Christian life with that tenacity and putting every action and thought and thing I wore under the microscope, do you think God, do you think God would like this? Do you think God would enjoy this? Would this glorify him? Would this bring me closer to him? We do that with our crush, but we don't even do it with God. Very quickly, this crush and this friendationship has not just been a crush, it's become an idol. It's become, it's something that we have submitted ourselves to that consumes our daydreaming. You want to know if something's become an idol in your life? What do you daydream about? What do you think about before bed? What do you dwell on? What consumes you? And when it comes to your church crush, I think that these have become a much bigger deal than we would ever consider them to be. And if you feel this crush for someone, which is 100% natural and normal, I'm not here to shame you. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying hey, I... I'm with you. I had I have way too many of these. And it's natural and it's easy. If you're single in a community, like it's gonna happen. 
But here's what we need to do to address these in a healthy and a wise way so that you can guard your heart and a community. It's, you know, number one, you have to accept where you're at. Note it and, and take advantage of the situation. Notice what drives the attraction. Take inventory and notice why. There's indicators everywhere to why you're interested. And this is a super awesome opportunity for you to learn and grow for yourself. Why am I attracted to this person? Is it just physical? Is it character? Is it their intelligence? Is it their emotional maturity? Is it their spiritual maturity? What? Why am I? Why is my order of attraction reflected a godly biblical desire for a husband or wife? Let me let me go ahead and stop before I go any further. Let me accept that I am attracted to this person, but let me ask why. And number two, we need to move forward. If you have a church crush, you got a foundationship on your hands. You have to move forward. You have to, in one way or another, you got to find out if this person is interested in you or if they're not, okay? You got to find out. We have we have a great episode, how to tell if they're interested. You can go back and listen to it, but we have to find out. We can build a relationship. We can build a friendship, but then like very quickly, we got to have a conversation with them. We got to ask, I love via a friend, like one of their friends or your friends. Just keep it a really tight circle. Don't let everyone in the community group know. But, you know, find out if they're interested. Have them ask. Or if you really got the gumption, the grit, the courage, ask them directly. You know, like if you're a guy here, you should be asking them out on a nice, low-stakes date. Hey, I would love to get to know you sometime. You've, You've really just, I think you're so unique. I love these things about you. I'd love to take you out on a date sometime. No worries if it's a no. I promise you, like, if it doesn't work out, it won't be awkward and we can stay friends. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. Because number three, you know, what that ask kind of reflects is that you're holding it loosely. Number three, you got to hold that crush, that friendationship. You got you to gotta hold it loosely because failed expectations that this is the one, this is the person, they're going to be everything. That's the breeding ground for disappointment. Failed expectations that I expect this person is going to say, I hope and pray they say yes. It's the breeding ground for disappointment. We we have total control over our expectations. And personally, listen, this might sound cynical to some of you guys, but I have a policy when it comes to human beings, I have no expectations. I operate on a no expectation foundation because I think it's unfair to someone, their feelings, how they operate to project my expectations onto them, especially in dating, who they are, how they communicate, how they operate, where they are in their journey. Listen, for you getting to know them and it comes to expectations, they are a blank canvas And you got to give them the opportunity to paint that canvas for you. Let their actions paint the canvas for you. Not their words, their actions and how they operate. Let them paint that canvas for you. And just the expectations, it's just going to lead you nowhere except to disappointment. And then number four, my favorite, when it comes to your church crush, comes to your church crush, this is a great one. Pray that God would illuminate and highlight clarity. Not that they were the one. Don't pray. Don't ever pray that God, please make this the one for me. I they are. So, I don't care how wonderful they are. I don't care how amazing of a husband, how amazing of a wife they would be. We should never pray in a way that says, God, can you make this the one, the object of my heart? Can you? Can this be the one for me? 
our prayer should always, always, always reflect that God's plan is greater than my plan. Because that prayer says, hey, my plan is that this person's amazing and that this is the one for me. God, would you confirm that and answer my prayer and my my plan and my control? Instead, it's, hey, God, would you eliminate and highlight clarity for me if this is the one that you have for me to pursue or not? And your unexpected great plan for me, would you highlight and give me clarity? This is a, a huge prayer, a bold prayer. God, if this is who you have for me to keep pursuing and take to the next step, would you make that abundantly clear? Would you give me a green light? Would you give me total peace? And God, if this is a no, and this is who you don't have for me to step forward with and pursue, would you make that abundantly clear and give me peace? Or actually, would you give me maybe a lack of peace about moving forward? If this is not the one that you have for me, then I don't want it because I desire your plan, not mine. Boom. There you go. And then lastly, we're going to make this a little bit quicker. The third part and where I would say for men listening, guard her heart, guard her heart. Like, I'll be honest, I have no idea where this came from. I have no clue. Okay. Uh, But, you know, really, we went from guard your heart to like a little added on guard her heart too. So men guard your heart. And guess what? You got to guard her heart because now to a degree, you know, the question is, are men in charge of her heart? <laughs> are they the, the gatekeeper and he the responsibility of her heart? Is that okay? Is this good? And if you ask me that, I would say, I mean, yes. <laughs> I think the answer is yes, because to the degree you are leading the relationship as a man, you are responsible for where you are leading her. And what as a relationship you guys are consuming, what you guys are practicing, what you guys are absorbing, and what you guys are glorifying. I mean, essentially, that is what it means that the man is taking responsibility for the emotional and spiritual health of the relationship and his girlfriend. Because it's rooted in this. He recognizes her identity first. She is a child and a daughter of God. And as a, you know, as someone who is committed to her in relationship, like you get this idea of a Southern dad with a shotgun, like, what are your intentions with my daughter? <laughs> well, when I realized this is the child and the daughter of, <laughs> of God of the universe, it, it's like that Southern dad, <laughs> that Southern dad times 10,000. I mean, God is not threatening us to a degree, but like, that's the kind of like situation we quickly find ourselves in when our theology is correct. This is a daughter and child of God first, not an object, a little plaything, a little person for me to lead on and play with and see if I like and to make out with and to affirm me and validate me. This is a big, big, big deal because she is a child and daughter of God and I need to revere that first. And so I think that's that's where I love what we've been doing in this season. It's just really, really important for us to recognize the foundational theology that we are practicing which in this situation is that the man leads. The man leads, the man is given an honor and a responsibility to lead relationship. And this stems from the foundation of creation in Genesis, where Adam, again, Adam was given the OG responsibility to lead. And this is mimicking, when we're in relationship and leading as a great boyfriend and leading as a great fiance, 
we are mimicking the foundation of marriage, where the man is called to guide, lead, provide, and take responsibility of the health and success of the relationship and his partner. This is a huge deal and a huge honor. So that's why, you know, we're going to do an episode on this. Are we too hard on Christian men? I would say no, because there's a huge responsibility here. I mean, like to give you guys a really good snapshot is like, if we have the Super Bowl Chiefs, we have a big roster, um, like, and we got Patrick Mahomes, he's got a huge responsibility to lead and guide his team. If I slack off on coaching him, on training him, if any kind of capacity, I'm not just letting him down, I'm letting the whole team down. And when you have so many people depending on that man, on that one person, well, it's not very loving to let him off the hook. It's not very loving to not train him well, to train him with excellence. And so that's where, are we hard on Christian men? Yes, we are because we love them and because the stakes are high. The stakes are so, so high. And what does this look like if you're guarding her heart well and dating? Well, I think it means one thing super clearly. Her needs start to take prioritization over yours. Like this is marriage 101 training. Get ready. Your needs matter and they must be addressed and need to be addressed. But hers begin to come first. Hers begin to come. That's a huge deal. In relationship from dating forward, you are practicing this foundation, which is my needs are important and must be addressed, but hers start to become first. Hers begin to be prioritized over mine. And that's a that's a huge deal. And number two, it means if I'm guarding her heart and relationship well, it means the way I treat her is totally set on one thing. My goal and objective is that she, because I'm in her life to some degree, her relationship with God is growing and and becoming stronger and closer and richer and deeper. That That is what it means to love anybody well, is that you are pointing them to God and setting them up for more success in their relationship with God, which means the way that you treat her and where you guard her heart well is very similar to number one. One, there's there's wisdom and tenacity in what you guys are consuming and practicing together. And then two, you're also pouring in and investing with love, encouragement, kindness, integrity, edification, bolstering, unconditional compassion. Whether you guys get married or not, after every interaction, she can say without a doubt, I am closer to God because of him and the way he loved me and respected me and treated me so well. And that is the snapshot of marriage. Quite literally, you're practicing the relational dynamic and covenant of marriage, which is I am setting my spouse up to grow closer and fellowship more with God than they were before. That is that is the definition of marriage. While you are earthmates, not soulmates, not forever mates, but while I'm on earth, I am laboring and investing away in my spouse that, so that they know God better that they are growing closer to God on an eternal timeline and can fellowship and spend eternity with him. And that's my job when it comes to my spouse. Amen. Let's go. That's what it means to guard your heart and guard her heart. Have a wonderful day. There you go. I told you. I I stayed. This is one of the shorter ones we've had. 
Have a wonderful day. I love you guys. I know I'm somewhat hard, but I just, I hope that encourages you to run to something, to labor to something that's greater because I believe you guys have that for you. And to be the great husband, the great boyfriend, fiance that you guys want to be, this is how we do it. Love you, fam. I'll talk to you soon and have a wonderful weekend. Let's go.